Good morning, everyone. Yeah, my name's Sai, as most of you know, or as you heard last week by my son, Chubby, as sometimes called. Uh, it's a good job I've got thick skin, isn't it, really? <laughs> How rude. How rude. I do tell them, though, you know, it's all right for me. I've got, I've got your mother. Whereas for you guys, you know, uh, one day you're going to wake up and look like your dad. So, you know, you better, you better you know, try and get a girl while you're young. But uh, anyway, anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Great to share God's word with you this morning. Now, I'm sure, in fact, all of us would have been in a situation like this that I'm about to describe, where you feel vulnerable, where you feel like you're in danger, and your body goes into overdrive. It may be due to an important exam that you've got coming up. Those of you going in year 11 or year 13, you've got important exams uh, there. It may be uh, due to a test, like a driving test or something uh, like that. It may be that you were out on a journey, which was fine at the beginning, and then the weather changes, the tide turns, and all of a sudden, you know you're in danger. It may be that you're in a car with me driving, and, uh, 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 and you're in Uganda, and as you're driving along and you drive past increasing scenes of road accidents, you think to yourself, oh dear, oh dear, and that nervous energy begins to run high. The body has a natural, inbuilt, automatic response to this. It causes your autonomic nervous system to release a hormone which makes you go into what is more commonly known as fight or flight mode. That was the weird picture that Anna was confused at. This tells you what happens to the body during that, that time. Your pupils apparently dilate so that you can actually see things uh, more clearly. Your heart begins to beat a little faster, so it gets more oxygen around your body. Also, the blood flow is redirected to your muscles, so they're ready for action. That's often why you feel nauseous and a little bit sick at this time, because they're diverted away from your stomach. Breathing becomes shallow and quicker. Your brain begins to work on overdrive, ready to make uh, quick decisions. And it's not uncommon while you're in this uh, state of fight or flight, that actually your pain receptors are suppressed so you don't feel pain, so you can readily deal with the situation you're in. And it's not just physical either. You're affected psychologically when you're in this state. Emotions like kindness, compassion, love and empathy get suppressed. So it's not uncommon for people to regret decisions that they've made while they're in that, that state of a, a, a fight or flight um, because those emotions have been suppressed. And obviously, the greater the danger, the greater this feeling that comes on you, this uh, physical response, actually, within your body. And of course, for some, it can become so great that your eyes go blurry and your mind goes blank and you just freeze as well in that situation. Now, the whole point of me telling you this is not to give you a lesson on fight or flight uh, uh, syndrome or whatever it's called, uh, uh, mode or whatever it is, but um, is actually because all of you would have experienced this to some degree in your life. And I want you to just think about that time when you've been like that, that you can remember, and this will just give you 
a little window into what it would have been like for Jesus on his journey to the cross, the road to Jerusalem. For whilst he was and is the son of the living God, in taking on flesh, he actually consented to be subject to our humanity that we all face as well. So he would have had this going on within his body on the road to Jerusalem. So keep that in mind as we read the passage today. So if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 18, verse 31. If not, it will appear on the screen behind me. Let's uh, read what it says there. And just keep that in mind, what I've said about fight or flight and your own experience of it. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Hallelujah. Amen. Today, I'm going to look at how in Christ Jesus... We are called to seek and save the lost, especially the marginalized, rejected, 
and despised of society. So, firstly, to seek and save the lost. I'm just going to reread a little bit of the passage. I read it in the Good News version this time, so it really uh, sinks in as you hear it twice, slightly, just slightly differently, a word here or there. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Listen, we're going to Jerusalem where everything the prophets wrote about the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Gentiles who will make fun of him, insult him, and spit on him. They will whip him and kill him, but three days later he will rise to life. But the disciples did not understand any of these things. The meaning of the words was hidden from them, and they did not know what Jesus was talking about. And then jumping on to the end, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Salvation has come to this house today. For this man also is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Have you ever had the best made plans go suddenly wrong towards the end? This happens to some people more than others, partly possibly because they're not the best made plans. So, so one time I thought I'd treat Anna to a surprise meal. So I, uh, I, um, I thought, you know, Prezzo in town's quite nice. So I booked the uh, um, uh, Tesco's vouchers that many of us use to, to get uh, cheap, uh, free meals uh, from places. I, uh, I booked a babysitter, Hannah came back from work, and I surprised her because she didn't know it was happening, and uh, she was all, uh, all, all, all joyful, she was, there was tears, emotions, and it wasn't, there wasn't no, exaggerating, but she was pleased, she was pleased at the good news. So we went down there, only to discover that what normally is a quiet weekday night, they had had a few large bookings, so the place was completely full, and there was no room because I hadn't booked a table for us. I just thought, oh, it's so midweek, it'll be fine. So not wanting to waste a babysitter or money, uh, I took her to the George and, uh, uh, and said to her, yeah, very good, very good there, isn't it? And I said to her, Anna, I love you so much, you can have any meal you want on the two for 849 menu. <laughs> yeah, very smooth, yes, yeah. Anyway, we made the most of it, the best of it, but it wasn't the well-planned, lovely evening that I had hoped to give her. Um, as I say, she was very gracious, but still, it was slightly different. Some people think that's the case with Jesus, that his death on the cross was unexpected, a sad end to a good moral teacher, the religious zealots getting the upper hand on him because he was betrayed. He didn't expect anything to happen. Some people think that he just pretended to die. He didn't really die on the cross. Other people think that he managed to escape and someone else stood in his place for him. Our passage today makes it abundantly clear that Jesus knew that the road to Jerusalem meant the road to the cross for him. There was no surprises. There was no twist of fate. There was no escape plan, no proposed decoy or substitute for Christ. Christ himself went knowingly to Jerusalem, knowing that it would end up with him dying 
on the cross. Now, one of my favorite writers, Oswald Sanders, I've recommended this book to you a few years ago. Uh, If you haven't read it, I'd recommend it again. He says this, that the highest form of courage is not that of a blind enthusiast who in a moment of great exaltation runs great risk, but that of one who, though clearly foreseeing the consequences of his actions, nevertheless continues unwavering. Why does Jesus continue unwavering to the cross? So that just like in the case of Zacchaeus, he could say salvation has come to this house, to your house, and to all who call upon the name of the Lord. You see, Christ wasn't looking for a way out. He was choosing to be your way out for under God's punishment. Christ wasn't looking for a substitute. He was looking to be your substitute so that he could take your place before God and take God's wrath against your sin on himself, the perfect son of God, taking on God's punishment for you and for me, for all the things that we have done, all the things that we have said, all the things that we have thought that offend God, that hurt other people, even hurt yourself sometimes. Someone needs to hear that this morning because God loves each one of us, including you more than we ever could. Christ takes God's righteous punishment on himself, on the cross, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be clothed in his righteousness, so that you can become a child of Abraham and receive the blessing that was promised to him. You see, Jesus is not only the good shepherd who guides and looks after the sheep, He is the perfect sacrificial lamb of God who dies for God's people as well. That's why he was determined to go to Jerusalem. So he wasn't running away from it. He was focused to go there so that salvation could come to your house and all who call upon his name. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Hallelujah. That's why he was going. Verse 10, actually, of uh, chapter 19, where it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is identifying himself with the passage in Ezekiel 34, where God is talking about his sheep and he he himself being the shepherd. He says this in verse 11 of uh, Ezekiel 34. For thus says the Lord God, Behold I, I myself will search for my sheep, And will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen. The weak. You feeling lost here today? Do you know that in your wanderings you strayed off being the person that you wanted to be yourself, let alone the person that God wants you to be? Has life injured you? 
Has it made you feel weak this morning? Then hear God's words to you afresh this morning. See the kindness of God through Jesus Christ. For he is actively seeking out the lost. He is actively looking to save people. That's why the Holy Spirit is here working on people's hearts. That's why he wants to work through you into your friends' lives as well. And the way people are saved, the way people are healed, the way people are made whole is through surrendering their lives to the one who chose to give his life for them on the cross to save them. And just as Christ rose again three days later, as he said he would, all those who put their faith in Jesus can know for certain that they too will rise to everlasting life as he has promised we shall. But my friends, as Christ Church here, those of you who know Jesus, which is most of us in the room, Jesus saw his mission to seek and save the lost. Six words that sum up the Great Commission in a way. That's ultimately why, if you like, our vision statement is what it is above the door. That's why you still have breath in your body if you're a Christian here today. It's a, it's a major part of your worship that you cannot do in heaven is to seek and save the lost. And before I move on, though, let me just briefly consider the disciples' response as they didn't understand, they didn't grasp what Jesus was doing, even though he couldn't have been clearer in telling them what was going to happen. Even the title of the passage is that it's the third time Jesus has told the disciples what needs to happen. You know, when, I, uh, when Anna and myself got married, Anna's Hindu, a wise lady, gave Anna some great advice, uh, which I shall pass on to you now. It says, she said to Anna, unless it's something that he really wants to do, you need to make sure you tell him three times if you want him to remember. There you go. And that's proved more or less true uh, for, for me and for most men. So there you go. Marriage tip 101 for you ladies out there. Tell your husband something three times if you want him to remember. Jesus had told the disciples three times, but they still didn't understand. The meaning was hidden from them, commentators largely say, because of their preconceived ideas of what the Christ would do. They thought that he would be a victorious king like King David who would defeat the nations, reign physically from Jerusalem, establish the temple as a center of worship for the world with the Jews reigning over the whole world. They didn't, the whole thing of a suffering Messiah was an oxymoron for them. It was like saying the living dead, the two things that just couldn't go together. Suffering Messiah. How does that? That's, that, doesn't, that didn't compute for them. They didn't realize that God had ordained that through the foolishness and the weakness of the cross, he would bring about the greatest victory, that Jesus would reign from the heavenly 
Jerusalem, establishing a worldwide temple of people made up from Jew and Gentile background who humbly bow the knee to him as their Lord and Saviour. My friends, in our time, don't let preconceived ideas of how God needs to move, of what God wants to do among us, hinder you from seeing what God is actually wanting to do among us and through you. Anyway, that's all I want to say on that. Let's, let's move on to the healing of the blind man Bartimaeus, as uh, other gospel accounts tell us, and uh, Zacchaeus as well. Notice how both men were marginalized, despised, and rejected by their society. One, because of a physical disability. Who do you think you are yelling out like that? Be quiet. Don't bother him. Zacchaeus, on the other hand, because of his actions, meant he had aligned himself with an enemy-occupying nation, was getting rich out of his own nation as he worked for the enemy people. And more than that, he was defrauding his own people as well, getting rich out of that, which is why he says, if I've defrauded anyone, he knows he has, um, I'll give them uh, back fourfold the money. That's why the crowd was so indignant. How can he go into be the guest of such a sinner? But they didn't see that that man was looking to meet with Jesus. Notice all of this is happening, as I said right at the beginning, under the shadow, the growing shadow of the cross that was looming in the background. With all those responses that would have been going on in Jesus' body, because it's an automatic physical response, yet he still shows love, kindness, compassion to those that other people didn't even have the time of day for. Again, Sanders says, Not even once did Jesus betray the slightest semblance of lack of self-control. Strong though his emotions were, calm power and self-mastery marked all his words and actions. All the manifestations of his inner life constantly increase our awe of him, our sense of his majesty and his mystery. Consistent in character was Christ, even to the end. He perfectly revealed God the Father to us. Both men, after encountering Jesus, leave his presence changed. One who was physically blind, now able to see. One who was morally blind, now repentant and seeing things clearly. My friends, do you see just a glimpse of the perfect character of the Son of God, Jesus Christ? So strong in person that even the strongest emotions and bodily reactions were under control, yet so tender and kind in character that whilst all this would have been going on within him, physically speaking, Jesus brings a dirty smelly beggar who other people didn't have time for into his presence so that he can restore his body and give him dignity. 
so compassionate and generous of heart that he takes a crooked, twisted traitor and changes his whole moral compass in just one meeting. His life is now placed, Zacchaeus' life is now placed on God's good, straight and level path that he has for each one of us who follow him. Christchurch, whatever we're going through, whatever things you're facing, and some of you are facing some real difficulties at the moment, go to Jesus for your strength, draw strength from him, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, which he has given you, which dwells within you, go and show Christ's love and compassion and kindness to all people, particularly the marginalized, the despised, and the rejected around us, because that's what Jesus did. Bring them to Jesus to restore them, to heal them, to transform them, and to save them, as he did in this account, and as he's done for you and for me as well. It's lovely to hear Andy's testimony there of how you know, he was, he was, uh, there was darkness inside before Christ came. And Christ had given him fullness of life. He didn't use those words, but he was using that sort of a metaphor, if you like. In Christ, we are called to seek and to save the lost, especially the marginalized, despised, and rejected. Amen? Amen. Can I invite you to stand? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, can I just... Or if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, can I just ask you, to? Uh, and you're, you're here and you're thinking, mm, actually, I know I need to get right with him. I want my life to be placed on God's good, straight, and level path. I want my life to be transformed by Jesus. Then just pray this prayer in your heart along with me, and then come and grab me at the end. Or if you're watching online, please contact the office. We'd love to, to help you. But just pray this prayer of surrender. To, to Jesus in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to earth, to live amongst us, and to die on the cross so that he could take on himself all the things that I've done wrong. Please forgive me of all the things I've done wrong. And through the power of your spirit that raised him from the dead, help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, you're here this morning, please come and speak to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you a bit more about it. If you're watching online, contact the office. We'd love to help you in your walk with God this morning. But I invite the, the band to come back up and uh, lead us in a response song uh, this morning. God wants to use you to seek and save the lost. He wants to use you to bind up the brokenhearted. He wants to use you to transform your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, your street, your family for him. His spirit is here, and he wants to bless you. And I'm just going to pray for us all that God will fill us afresh with the spirit. As we sing this song, let's sing it as a response to him, saying, God, this is what I want. I want to I worship you, but I want to be your vessel to do uh, these things 
for you. Do all that you've called me to do on earth. But I do also feel that there are some people here, uh, actually some of, the, some of the words earlier spoke into this, that are, um, are feeling actually quite emotionally damaged. You're not physically wounded, you're not physically injured, or you don't physically need binding up, you may do. We'd love to pray for healing. If you want healing, come to the front over here after this song, and we'd love to pray for you. But also, if you're here and you're feeling emotionally damaged, life has not been kind, you feel marginalized, despised, or rejected, again, there's people here that want to pray for you, that want you to experience something afresh of God's love. There's also those of you that know you, there's a fresh calling on your life to seek and to save the lost. Again, please come forward for prayer as well. If you just felt that stirring in your heart as I've been praying. But I'm going to pray for us all generally, and then Rob's going to lead us in a song for response. Father God, thank you that when you saw our condition, Lord, you didn't just walk away, you didn't just punish us, you didn't just say, that's it, game over. You made a rescue plan. You sent your son. And Lord, thank you that through the power of your spirit at work in those who believe in your son, you want to use us to transform this world, to bring your rescue plan to every person, to every boy and girl, every woman and man. Lord God, we just pray. We're, we're here, Lord. We're available to you. Lord, we want to be used by you. Lord, I just pray for each person. Come and fill them afresh, Lord God. Father, some of us have been Christians longer than others. Some of us say, oh yeah, we've heard things before. We've, we've heard of God doing things around the world before. It doesn't seem to happen where I am. Lord, just let fresh faith arise in people's hearts. Lord, you want to use them. Lord God, the reason you haven't returned is because you want more people in your kingdom. And so Lord, I just pray for everyone here. Come and fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. Come and meet with them. Lord, come and stir them. Come and encourage them. Lord God, help us to, to, to reach the lost. Lord, help us to seek and save the lost for your glory and your kingdom. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.